when I got married or it's when this happened or whatever. But it actually might not be that. It might be, do you know what? It's when I caught this really big fish. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Reframe the Podcast, helping you reframe your thought patterns, habits and mindsets to create the life that you want to lead. A therapist I was chatting to once said to me that those who do the best work, whether that be a therapist or a coach, are those that have done the most work on themselves. Today's guest is someone who has done a lot of work on himself and he is not afraid to be honest and vulnerable and it's very compelling. Johnny Lawrence is a people-centred, forward-focused life coach and a self-development specialist and he supports individuals to overcome those negative influences, those limiting beliefs, habits, behaviours and mindsets that can hold us back from not only really identifying the kind of life we want to lead but going out there and living it. Today's chat is all about how we can create the right mindset, how we can support ourselves to achieve success or fulfillment, whatever shape that may take. Hi, Johnny, and welcome to Reframe Club. It's fabulous to have you here today. Um, And as always, probably the easiest place to start is to ask you to tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do. My name is Johnny Lawrence and uh, I've been in the health and fitness industry as a coach for roughly 15 years since about 2006 so hopefully my maths is okay there (laughs) Uh, and uh, you know I turned 40 last year the big 4-0 and I had a moment of reflection and decided that I didn't really want to be in my PE kit um, at 50 and decided that I wanted to sort of uh, look into things a bit deeper and uh, what my avenues might be. And, uh, you know, I, I'm a strong believer that nutrition is is very important to us. Obviously, it, it, can, it can make or break any sort of exercise regime. Uh, and exercise is very important as well, movement, activity. But what I have been obsessed with from the very beginning, I come to realize is how you think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what are you thinking? Because that ultimately is going to make the difference between whether or not you eat the right things or eat too much or eat too little or get up and do the exercises that you've said yourself you're going to do. You know, uh, that mindset is vital and um, how you think. Um, I looked through all my testimonials and it all but confirmed that really I've sort of been a life coach hiding as a PT or a health and fitness coach for the last 15 years. So I've sort of started the process really of um, becoming a life coach, which uh, I found quite difficult to sort of come to terms with, really, if I'm honest. <laughs> why is that? I'm interested. Why that transition? Why, the, why did you find that difficult? Just, you know, just like everybody, I have, um, I have insecurities, I have limiting beliefs, I have challenges um, that I put to myself and my own personality. And... Uh, I have to do the work to overcome that, you know? And, uh, you know, I had a bit of a, a rough rough start to life and, uh, you know, I have to battle against that them sort of beliefs all the time. And, you know, when you've been in an industry for, for as long as I have, you do sort of develop a certain level of comfort, I think. And when you then say to yourself, oh, I'm gonna go into a completely different industry, essentially, there's that imposter syndrome alarm that goes off in your head, <laughs> you know? So yeah, you have to sort of work, work sort of work to sort of dispel that really yeah and I think it's you make a really important point there in that 
change can feel really scary and change brings loss and sometimes the things we lose aren't serving us but they can feel it's safer to keep them isn't it it's safer to stay in the career that we know than to put ourselves out there because the minute we put ourselves out there as you say there's imposter syndrome also we feel vulnerable and you know our brains are wired to stop us feeling vulnerable aren't they well yeah and it's it's work like Brene Brown's that really sort of makes you realize that you gotta you know or, or not that you've got to you, you should try to lean into that that vulnerability because that's where the truth lies uh you might not always like the truth <laughs> but um it, i think it's always better to know the truth isn't it you can work with that them facts then i think yeah and i think and you're right and i think part of feeling or becoming vulnerable around the work that we do you know not just around how people are thinking and the psychology behind making changes, but we want to, we don't always want to face up to the fact that making changes can be hard. We want to go and buy it in a box, don't we? We want, you know, we want to, oh, that that Instagram over there is telling me if I buy that, my life in 12 weeks is gonna be everything that I've ever dreamed of. And that may come in the shape of a skinny tea. It might come in the shape of their, protein shake it might come in the shape of their endless webinars whatever that might be but actually part of the process is um understanding that it takes time and it's icky and sometimes it's really uncomfortable isn't it well i think the modern world trains us to be impatient you know everything is instant if you think about amazon you know you can get things um with prime delivery sort of the next day. And if it's not there the next day, you're like, where is it? <laughs> and then you've got music. You know, I remember going to uh, record shops as a kid, um, getting CDs and it not being there. And just that having that feeling of being excited that you got that copy of that song or whatever. And and books, the same again, you know, and uh, now you can get them on, on Kindle. And uh, I mean, I, I've got such fond memories of going to the video shop Blockbusters and, uh, and looking on the back of all the covers of the video. I mean, I don't know how many times I saw the same DVD <laughs> without even realizing, <laughs> you know, but it's just stuff like that, that, that um, you know, without sounding like an old bogey, uh, I, I just feel sorry for the younger generation and they don't get to experience that. And I think, like I say, we're, we're trained to sort of not have that patience anymore, you know, uh, with us, I, I say us, I don't want to assume, <laughs> but, um, you know, we did go to the video shop, we did go to the library, we did go uh, to the record shop, and it was an experience, right? We've, there's bound to be endless stories that you have about that. When it comes to health, I think that's something that we tend to do now, isn't it? We want to, or we feel like health is something that it's, one, I think we've kind of bought into this idea that health is a aesthetic. It is a particular shape, it is a particular size, and it's a particular body image rather than health being its holistic, wider sense of the word of health. So I'd love to start there if I can and ask you, you know, how would you define health? I love the dictionary definition of, of health, which is the state of being free from illness and injury, um, because anything past that um, is, is a change really, isn't it? Um, to, to, be, to be sort of injury free I mean when you've had an injury it sucks it really does it, it's misery especially if that injury comes at a time when you're making great progress um if you're ill that sucks no one's going to deny that so being free of those two things is, is is amazing it's fantastic but I think people take that as for granted 
you know um you know and you only need to speak to somebody who's not well um and they would give anything to to be well or someone who's injured they'd give anything to be not injured so uh i like that as a definition of health if you want to if you have a desire to lose weight or you have a desire to change your body composition in some way i think that's an addition to to health if i'm honest do you think part of that you said it and you said you know we've kind of taken injury and um or being free of illness and injury for granted do you think that's because or would you agree that's because we we live in a society that objectifies our bodies now we live in a social media society where it's all about selfies and likes and external validation and we've kind of come to rely on those external metrics haven't we yeah saying that we're valid or we're good enough and obviously the first thing we do is we go to what we look like social media is a big one uh i want to start by saying i like social media um you know, I think it's um, got some really powerful sort of things behind it. So, for example, if there's, if there's a really big cause or there's a charity or there's somebody that needs to um, raise some money or something like that, social media is fantastic. And actually, very often, like this morning, I started the day off um, thinking, oh, my goodness, homeschooling. <laughs> I had to do a bit of work this morning to get myself in a positive frame of mind. And uh, I stumbled across someone who I can always rely on on social media to, uh, to put me in a positive mood. That was lovely. you know. But I mean, there are obvious negatives to, to social media. Um, and there are people that get paid a lot of money to take advantage of that word again, vulnerability of, of others, you know, someone who's not feeling like they look the way they want to look or they're not feeling like they're living the life they want to live. And there you are on social media with a six pack on a bodyboard over in Hawaii, <laughs> living your best life. And it's like, you're like, oh, oh, <laughs> I thought I was doing okay, but obviously I'm not, you know. But let's face it, that's, that's not real life, is it? <laughs> yeah, but we do fall into that, don't we? That comparison. Oh, everyone does. Yeah, it's like a default, isn't it? But, you know, how do we, how, you know, in the work you do, how do we begin to um, unpick that or begin to move away from that as a kind of knee-jerk or reflex behaviour that we might have around comparison? I have a, a theory that, uh, and no, well, I'd say I can support it with, with experience of, of, of clients. Um, in, within my first five years of, of being a health and fitness coach, I sort of was just grateful, really, to, to have any clients and to be out there doing the job. Um, it always looked like such a cool job. I never thought it was for me, you know, all them limiting beliefs flaring up in, inside of me. And uh, when I became a when I became a health and fitness coach, I was I was really sort of pleased about it. And I would, and, you know, I would sit in the consultation and I would just be waiting for them to say, yes, let's go sort of thing. But I, after about five years, I started realizing that people have to be ready to make certain changes. And they also have to understand what the change means. And, and I, I'm a strong believer that someone has to love themselves enough to want to make that change. They wanna make that change because they love themselves, not because they hate themselves. That's, that's very important. To look in the mirror and say, I hate what I see, I'm going to make a change. I don't particularly think that's going to be a, a motivational tactic that's going to hold up when it gets tough. And it will get tough. It always gets tough, you know. Uh, go on holiday. Of course, you want to have as many drinks as you want. You want to take advantage of the all-inclusive. You're human. <laughs> and, and to a degree, that's okay, you know. Um, but what I've found is that 
and after that five year gap, I started realizing that people need to identify and sadly not a lot of people know what these are, but basically they need to discover their own values and beliefs. Mm. And once they discover their own values and beliefs, it's the guiding light of everything. So you can look on social media and you can see someone doing something and it might look cool, but it, I mean, have you ever looked at something and think, oh, wow, they're doing so much better than me. They're so lucky, they're so this. Only to really later realize that if you were given that opportunity, you would have said, no, <laughs> you don't even really want that. It's just, yeah. it just looks, they've yeah. done a really good job of making it look appealing, you yeah. know? So I think, you know, we're at a stage now where, you know, I know when I was a kid that, or growing up at least, I, I made a lot of mistakes. Mm -hmm. um, some of those just normal mistakes, but you know, uh, some of those I did in private and uh, some of them I did in public, unfortunately, <laughs> in front of other people. But each of them had a lesson attached to them. Mm -hmm. And I think now people are very scared to make that mistake because there are iPhones everywhere and it all gets put on social media. I mean, I've met far too many sort of younger people, let's say, or some people that possibly feel that having 10K followers is probably more important to them than having a degree, um, which, you know, I'm not here to judge, but, you know, <laughs> I'm not sure. Well, I don't know. I don't know if you, there are probably some jobs you can get with 10K followers. Um, but I think that degree is, um, it's not, again, about, it's not about showing that you're smarter. It's, it's about that doing it for yourself. That's why I did my degree. You know, when I did my degree, I was 30 years old and people were like, why, why do you want that? And it's like, I, I, no, why do you need that? And I said, I don't, I want it. I, I want that for my own self-worth. I want that moment where I get my degree for me. And also really for my children too. So I can show my boys that I did something that was really, really hard and I wanted to quit lots and lots of times. I made lots and lots of mistakes, but here you go. <laughs> and it was worth it, you know, my big smiling mug. <laughs> but you, you made, the, the point you made there about the 10K, it's mm. meeting young people who may value that 10K over a degree, but what is, why do they value that? Because potentially it's because that 10k comes with all that external validation all the time doesn't it there's our degree certificate yeah. sits in the wall in the brain we walk around with it on a badge yeah. don't we? going I got it. Yeah, they do. yeah and that, yeah. that is that, that's all part and parcel of that whole thing about us being um on show all the yeah. Time. yeah yeah i mean and, i think social media has has arguably become somewhat of an addiction. Um, have you ever heard of Gabby Mate? Gabo Mate? No. Uh, he wrote a book called In the Realm of, I've got it written here because I always forget the name of it, but In, In the Realm of Hungry Ghosts. And he's done a lot of work around addiction. It's, it's a fantastic book. He, he starts off with uh, sort of uh, case studies of people that have suffered from addiction. So it's a bit heavy in the beginning because there's some really sad stories attached to it. But what it shows is that addiction is more powerful than once you're in that point it's more powerful than than anything else it's more powerful than your friends your family your career your finances and you aren't actually they've shown it's a brain illness that mm -hmm. that you can't you don't have sort of decision making processes anymore you know you're always going to choose that addiction mm -hmm. and um it was interesting to me it was a little while back i was um traveling with a client to a competition and we were having a discussion to sort of 
game plan of what we were going to do. And this whole car journey was ping, 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 all these different sounds going off and off and off and off. And I said to her, like, how much of that do you need to know? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it was it was Sky News. It was um, it was BBC News. It was Twitter. It was Instagram. It was Facebook. It was Messenger and so on and so on and so on. All these different messages coming off and I was just and but the ironic part was she was sitting there telling me how anxious she was <laughs> and I was just like well I'm not surprised you know <laughs> you've got all this stuff going off but I mean you know you can sit there and, and watch a tv show right and I, I mean I've done it to myself I have to be really if especially if I posted that day I have to be really disciplined with putting my phone somewhere else because I will just keep picking it up every time there's an advert and that's me who's conscious of it you know and wants to change it those micro moments mm. we're all human Absolutely. and even though we do the work we do we're still work in progress i have to use an app i use an app that locks my phone yeah. that takes all my third party apps away but look at look at that i mean we're two people that are sort of we 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 read about this stuff intentionally yeah. um and it still catches us out yeah. i mean that 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 documentary on netflix um the social so dilemma perfect. Yeah. That was like a horror film. When I, was, <laughs> I was terrified. We children. We swear, her husband and I sat there we are never, kids, kids, bring us your phones. I, but, I thought we were going to have a big mass burning in the garden, just yeah. all technology on a big pile. Yeah. <laughs> but it is about balance, isn't it? It is about balance. And it's about filtering yeah. that, uh, how we digest, how we consume social media through what you said right at the beginning is through our values and our beliefs yeah and in making sure that what we're consuming is is helping us and serving us and good for us and aligned and all of those things would you agree yeah I mean the first thing I do in every single session is I want to establish a person's uh, values and beliefs straight off the bat and the way I describe it to them is um like say I take you Rose and I say okay um imagine ro Rose is a long road yeah, and off off of those long off of that long road of roses, all these different turnings, and each of them turnings represent a person in your life, someone that cares about you, someone that has your best interests at heart, uh, and they want to give you advice. They they want to tell you what they feel is best for you because they love you. So their their advice comes from a point of kindness, but nonetheless, they can only really see life through their own lens. They they they're not Rose. You are the expert on Rose. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. You know, you you're with Rose the whole time, <laughs> even when no one's looking. So um, when I check on people's values and beliefs, I'm what I'm checking is that when they're speaking, they're not repeating someone else's agenda, yeah. so that they don't find themselves down a path six weeks only to feel bad about how they, you know, what they've decided to do. Uh, an example of that for me was um, when we first moved down to Cornwall, um, we were looking for jobs um, and my wife got a job as a uh, working for a company. Uh, oh, I don't know if I'm allowed to mention names of companies or whatever, but she, she was um, basically debt collecting. Um, she'd have to ring around and ask people for money. Now, my wife is the single most kindest, most beautiful soul you'll ever meet in the world something like that <laughs> when she told me I was like oh well done babe two weeks later she was in tears she couldn't do it she she, yeah. she was listening to these people's stories and she just couldn't do it so that's a prime example of like that job didn't meet her values and beliefs she couldn't ask for that money she was in honestly agony every night telling me these stories of these people so I believe that if you stray too far away from your values and beliefs you're always going to be unhappy 
you know and that's why you get these big ceos and you know i've been lucky enough or whatever you want to call it to, to be around some of these people um and they do really well in business but sometimes that's at the detriment of their family um, and their values and the way they want to live their life and um, it doesn't make them a bad person it's just they got caught up in the machine you know and uh once you start putting the amount of money that these chaps are involved with it gets harder to stop <laughs> you know so you know a lot of the time it's bringing people back in line again and uh and and that's all question-led in my eyes you know i'd ask you a lot of questions to the point where you think i was a policeman or something <laughs> once we can filter our choices decisions and actions through that net as it were of yeah. those values and beliefs then we know also we're going to be much more successful at actually making the stuff happen in our life that we want to happen because even if on an yeah. intellectual level you think well this is what i want because if i get you know if i earn this much money or if i take that job that person's going to think that i have more value or whatever it might be in here it's always going to be resisting isn't it our subconscious yeah. is always yeah. going to be pushing back on some level yeah and and that doesn't feel good um, and that's when things like um, overconsumption of drugs and alcohol come in because um, as, as much as it's not a very healthy approach, it does work. It, it separates you from them horrible feelings, you know? <laughs> yeah, it numbs us, doesn't it? It's, it we, it does, just, yeah. we um, distract unhelpful distraction and we use our phones in the same way, don't we? we Absolutely, yeah. Um, social media feeds in the same way think about diet culture then because obviously at reframe club we are in we're in the world of of trying to move away from diet culture and have people approach their well-being and their health from those internal motivators those intrinsic motivators and look at the health through a much wider lens in your opinion how do you think being able to do that being able to look at yourself and your well-being from a more holistic point of view, is linked to actually being authentic and happy and feeling secure and all of those things? Uh, well, I think it, it, it has to come from a place of being kind to yourself, first and foremost, and, and sort of letting yourself off the hook in a way. Because I think if you took the, the notion that you're at a disadvantage when it comes to diet culture and commercial, you know, the way that these, these big companies brand things. I mean, I, I know from, a, from recently changing businesses and looking into different marketing techniques, and, you know, I, I've approached many marketing companies. And uh, the question I got asked by quite a few was, what is a problem that people have that you can solve? So I, I was uh, intrigued by that. I was just like, that's, that's a random question. I'm, I'm trying to, promote my, my my coaching services so, so I want to coach people and they were very interested in this question because um that's what drives everything isn't it you know so what I'm getting at is that companies big companies spend a lot of money hiring very very intelligent people who have got tried and tested science to convince you that you have a problem that they can solve like that on its own like how do you really stand a chance you know yeah. <laughs> you don't do you walk into a supermarket and you know <laughs> you know you're, you're you're not slim enough um you're not tanned enough um you shouldn't have gray hair your teeth are not white enough <laughs> it's just yeah. like wow <laughs> you know you feel instantly judged you know um 
and then you, you you stack on a social um social media influencer on top of that who has you know been given all this money or whatever to 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 sort of prove the point then it's a double whammy you know so i think you start from a point of that you know be kind to yourself you know if you've got gray hairs so <laughs> you know if you're carrying one or two extra pounds did you have a good time <laughs> was, yeah. was it fun <laughs> yeah. did, did you enjoy Christmas did you enjoy your holiday whatever you know but it's about not judging yourself it is about not judging yourself and realizing that you're not that person you're you're you you know and and that's okay you know if and that's what it comes back to that loving yourself enough to make the change not making the change because you hate yourself you know what i found over time is that there's there's three fundamental things that will affect somebody's um sort of goal attainment whatever it is and that is the reason why they do it what they're thinking and the method that they take how how they go about it and the the problem always lies in one of those three things in in you know unless it's something really extreme like becoming an astronaut or something, which is kind of out of my remit if I'm honest <laughs> um so yeah you know so I'll always I'll always say to someone you know what's your why why do you want to do it and if it's because I hate myself well when it gets really hard that's not going to be enough that's just probably going to lead you to drink wine and then feel bad about it you know um it's like again it's about being kind to yourself when you sit there and there's a lady in front of you who's a fantastic mother uh, uh, runs a really great business you know, and she's got all the, you know, she's a great wife, she's a great friend, she's a great daughter, sister, whatever. And then she sat in there telling me how awful she is because she's carrying five pounds extra. And she really believes that. Hurts me, it really does. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I sort of, you know, I know I'm smiling about it. It's just because it's so unbelievable to me. I see this fantastic person and I take it on as my job to continue to endlessly, relentlessly reflect that back to them until they see it until they go, I'm pretty awesome, aren't I? And they go, yes, you are. Thank you, finally. <laughs> Thanks for turning up. I've been waiting for you for a while. <laughs> oh, I love you that. <laughs> how is that, how is, how does that play out then? Because when you have an individual who comes to work with you and they have that kind of um, self-deprecating language where they have kind of tied up all their self-worth with that number on the scales, where they have fallen into a pattern of, self-limiting beliefs where do you where do we start so values and beliefs is one thing but you just said there you know we re I reflect it back until they see it but what do you think has to happen in the individual where do you think that turning point tends to happen or is that different for everybody or do you tend to see a pattern the one pattern I do see is um is questioning um questioning logic uh, a limiting belief can't survive without evidence so once you apply evidence you know if if you tell me that you're stupid you're not very smart and i'll say to you oh okay you're not very smart what's the evidence for that mm. there's a long there's a long long pause and i say hey didn't you tell me you had a degree yeah 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 i have got a degree but and then there's automatically there's that but this but that that i call it going into your stories which is that autonomous um thing that comes out that they, they said a hundred times that most likely they don't even realize they're saying it. And they'll, they'll soon realize because I'll start smiling and wait patiently for them to finish. <laughs> Only to ask yet another question. <laughs> but I remember, I remember seeing um, uh, a seminar once and uh, this chap said, um, 
his favorite thing to do is to ask why five times and wait for that third why where they say because it is <laughs> and you're like oh that seems to be a house built on grass there with no foundations wonderful <laughs> let's just I knock that sorry, over it's, it's very <laughs> powerful tool it is yeah. a very powerful tool um yeah. but it's interesting that thing about language isn't it and you, you said earlier in our chat about how imposter syndrome you know even for yourself making that transition from PTing into coaching yeah. You know, imposter syndrome raises its ugly head, unwelcome head. But we do tend to do that with our language. If someone says something positive to you, like, you did a great job, Johnny, and you'll go, oh, it wasn't me, or actually, you know, actually, I had loads yeah. of help over there, da-da-da. Yeah. Or, um, you know, you look great in that dress. Oh, no, I'm not sure it's only cheeks and something like, you know. But as soon as someone has something negative to say, you know, oh, well, that didn't go too well. Yeah, that's my fault. Yeah. Very quick to push the positive away and pull the negative towards us, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, one of the things I make clear to my clients all the time is um, please never put me on a pedestal, you know, because they do. They, they see you as an expert or a professional. Um, and yeah, I, I'm really knowledgeable about this stuff. Um, you know, I like to think that the experiences I've had um, butted up against the education that I've had. Um, gives me a certain sort of knowledge to be able to help people but I'm not saying that doesn't mean I'm I'm not going through it as well <laughs> you know I, I went to a, I did um, a seminar a little while ago where I spoke and um, I was really really nervous just just like everyone else is you know you know I have a podcast at the moment and um, I'm nervous before I do every interview you know um, it doesn't go away it's, it's hard isn't it you don't know what's going to happen yeah. <laughs> it's a really tough gig you know but I remember doing this uh, this seminar and you know, by all sense and purposes, you know, even even feel silly saying this, you know, I did well, you know, I did well, you know, everyone was really pleased that everyone had learned a lot. This was a room full of doctors and physios. So it was like everyone was very educated and science based. So I had to be on it when it came to the question of where's the evidence? You know, I, I couldn't yeah. just say anything. I had to make sure I knew that there was some evidence to support it. And then straight afterwards, I just wanted to get out of there. But, you know, I, d I don't know whether you've done a lot of public speaking or, or not, but there's that moment where people want to catch your eye and they want to speak to you about what you said. <laughs> sort of looking at the wall. So I just sort of like, oh, is that a cobweb? <laughs> just trying to, trying to get out of, like, yeah, yeah. But, and it wasn't because I didn't know, because quite often I, I find myself in situations where, especially if I'm caught off guard, someone will ask me a question and I'll just give out all this information and then I'll stand there going, huh, didn't know I knew that. <laughs> you know, it's just, just one of those things, but I suppose you don't stick around for 15 years and not learn a thing or two, you know, so. Yeah, but it's in that pause, isn't it, that we tell ourselves those stories. We tell mm. ourselves those, in that pause and that quiet, after we go, I don't want to catch anyone's eye because they're going to, they're, they're going to tell me that, or I didn't do well at, and actually more often than not, it's the opposite, isn't it? It is, but I mean, due to my due to my sort of like um, upbringing, I I, uh, I I find it hard to take compliments too. I find um, any what I call <laughs> stupidly um, extremes of emotion. So whether it's a negative or a positive, I find them equally as difficult. You know, I I, I have trouble with um, with connections and stuff, and I have to work hard on that. But it's worth it. You know, I have this thing. You know, when I was younger, I was um, I was a, a victim of child abuse and I had to witness a lot of um, domestic abuse towards uh, or domestic violence towards my my mum and siblings. So that inevitably makes you quite a hypervigilant individual 
um, and you learn a lot of mechanisms that um, make me good at my job now, um, give me that scary intuition that sometimes even worries me when I'm right. I'm like, oh, how did I know that? I don't know. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's being able to watch people and understand what's going on behind their eyes, the way they're sitting, the, the, what their hands are doing, their gestures, the, the tones of their voice. And there's even times, this might sound a bit wacky, but I can even tell by the colour of them, you know? You know, there's a reason why they say, you know, oh, you, you, the colour just washed out of their face or they went red with anger. You know, you, your body is a is a vessel for sort of showing your emotions, isn't it, in a way? You know, it's like why people get hives and stuff when they get stressed, you know, and things like that. So um, under, under, I have a sort of unique way of understanding people. I've sort of lost my train of thought now. <laughs> what was the question? You made, you made a really important point there, and I'm... Um... Sorry, you had to go through that, and it's mm. you know, obviously something incredibly difficult. But you have that experience has led all the way to here now. Yeah, and those what came out of that, and the, your abilities now have been shaped by those experiences. And I think that brings us also to the subject of trust when you're yeah. working with someone. So I think. You know, coaching in itself is a therapeutic relationship. There has to be a bedrock of trust. And as you yeah. say, body language, tone of voice, it works both ways, but it's also that instinctive feeling, this person, this person is my fit, they know me, they understand mm. me, they, they're gonna walk this with me. And that's yeah. a coach, isn't it? That's the yeah. difference between sympathy and empathy and, you know. And it's, it's knowing when to ask them difficult questions and to challenge somebody, yeah. um, because that's what people that you love might not do, because um, that's not their role. That's not their role. You know, I know sometimes my wife will ask me a question and I don't want to give her the answer because it, it might hurt her feelings. Yeah. You know, it doesn't mean I lie to her. It just means that I don't want to give the answer, <laughs> you know, but you, you, you know, it's like, um, in, in our house we have this funny little game that we play where um you know if you buy some chicken or, or some meat and you're not sure if it's if it's sort of on the turn um caroline's mum will eat things that are out of date anytime any, really sort of not that fast <laughs> whereas my mum uh, she works in uh, in sort of the food industry so she her sort of uh, standards are, are, are probably too high so we do this thing where if we want to eat it, we'll ring Caroline's mum. <laughs> we'll ask her. And if we don't want to eat it, we'll ring my mum. <laughs> you know, so that just shows you, doesn't it? You know, you, you sort of, you know what you want to hear. That is just... a brilliant, that is a brilliant analogy because we do do that. We yeah. do do that. Who's going to give? And sometimes we'll go <laughs> proactively to seek that negative answer because yeah. we want somebody to... Um, confirm that kind of backdrop story we've told ourselves. So if we say, I have no value, or people always leave you, we can kind of maneuver and make things happen so that that becomes the consequence, can't we? Yeah. So it can work yeah. both ways. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, it's really hard, you know. Like, I love working with people um, and, you know, I, I don't, you know, for example, like personal training, um, is, which is a, a term that, some some coaches use 
uh, and you get a lot of you go to a lot of seminars or or courses over over time, and you, you learn about training, you learn about exercise, you learn about biomechanics, nutrition, all these different things, and and there are certain structures to that that never change, and there are certain aspects of it that um, come down to the individual. But I always have to point out to younger coaches, um, it's called personal training. There's, there's there's a personal aspect to it, you know, and people neglect that. They, they don't want to learn because you can go and you can learn the science of anything, but it's always going to come down to the application of the science. And if that, and that's going to come down to the variable of the person, isn't it? You know, there are some people that they, they want to feel a certain way when they train and there are some people that if you did that same workout with you never see them again <laughs> you know so it's it's about understanding that and that takes a little while you know yeah uh, and that's the difference between and i think because um you know let's be perfectly honest we work in an unregulated industry coaches yeah. you know we've knocked for certain you know um memberships of particular bodies but there's lots of people out there who'll just go yeah but they'll sell you a out the box program. And actually there's, there's your red flag there, isn't there? Yeah. There is no one size fits all approach nope. to anything, to our mental well-being, to our emotional well-being, to nutrition, to personal training. As you say, it all has to come down to the person. Well, it ties back in again to the whole social media thing, doesn't it? Where, you know, you have somebody, and, and again, I, I really don't want to come across as, as the guy that's bashing anybody because I'm not, you know, I, I, I think these people are probably very nice people, you know, but, you know, when they're on there promising some, some young girl who's on the border of an eating disorder and they're telling her that she can get abs in six weeks, um, that's dangerous yeah. and un unethical. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's difficult because I've had I've had young girls that come to me and want training and they've seen other people's results, but they don't realize what's gone into that. Um, and they've said to me, oh, I want this. And I've looked at them and I've thought to myself, you look fantastic. What, mm -hmm. you know, and you, I swear to you, you can't convince them that they look great. You know, you can't. And it, and it, it breaks my heart, you know, because what do you do? What do you do? You know, you can only do, and that, that's that to me is the hardest part of, of coaching is knowing when you've done all you can do. Um, and you don't take that home with you. I've woke up in the night worrying about people, you know, and it's hard. It's really hard because um, you really want, you really want, you're rooting for them, aren't you? And you really want them to do well. But at the end of the day, it comes down to that. They have to take ownership of that, you know, and they have to, they have to realize that, you know, They've got this beautiful, healthy, uh, injury-free body, and uh, they, they want abs. And it's like, for what? <laughs> you know, I've met plenty of people who've got abs and they're really, really miserable. And I've met plenty of people that haven't got abs who are really, really happy. You know, <laughs> so what does it mean? <laughs> there's a powerful question there. You actually just asked a really powerful coaching question. For what? Mm. Because I'm yeah. not sure. And it's actually when you ask that question that people suddenly helicopter back out a little bit because we don't do that enough. And go, actually, why am I? What, what, what is my motivation? Oh, because yeah. if I do that, boy will like me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> He's worth it then. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's the other question, isn't it? It's like, if that's what it takes to get there, then I, I don't think he's marrying material. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, I mean, in your opinion then, how can we 
if anyone listening today who's going, I recognize that in myself, I recognize I'm that person who is perhaps standing at the top of that road and I am confused as to which turning to take because I'm listening to this person and this person and this person, all with their best intentions. But, um, you know, how do I get back to understanding what my motivations are, what my values and beliefs are? How do I come back to myself? Where do I start? I think you have to look that there are there are things there are ways that you want to be for whatever reason right or wrong there are ways that you want to be but that's not the question you should ask yourself is who am I what will I do in certain situations what's what is my real happiest moment ever you know a lot of people know what other people want to hear so they'll say um, oh it was when I got my degree or it was when I got married or it was when this happened or whatever but it actually might not be that it might be do you know what it's when I caught this really big fish <laughs> and, and that's okay own it man let's own it you know it, it speaks to who you are maybe that what that says is you know I, I've been trying to get that fish for a long long time and what I value most in life is accomplishment achievement you know I put a lot of work in I was there every day at five o'clock in the morning, whether I didn't want to be there or not. And I got this fish that day and I was really, really proud of myself. <laughs> uh, you know, and so it's about really discovering who, you know, find what them values and beliefs are, actually look for them. And you know what? You might not like the answers. You might want to be a bit cooler than that. You might want to be the guy that goes out on a motorbike and, you know, Steve McQueen's it. Or it might turn out that actually you quite like a curl up with a good book in front of the fire. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, there's nothing cool about that, apparently, but I love it. I mean, it's definitely cool in my book. That's definitely oh, the, cool. the freedom I got when I realized it was okay. You know, as I got older, I was like, hey, it's becoming okay just to stay at home with my slippers. Age is so valuable. Aging is yeah. so valuable, isn't it? Because it does yeah. give us that perspective to say, do you know what? I don't care anymore. This is yeah. this is who I am. You could give our Rebrinkham members three things. There are three actions they could take away today. What would what would you advise them? First one would be, as we've established, learn about your values and beliefs. Um, because they're always gonna be an absolute guiding light. You know, you're always gonna know. Everybody learns to ignore that feeling of I don't like doing this, I don't want to do this but I have to do this. Why do you have to? It's really, you know? So learning about them values and beliefs, learning to say no to people sometimes, you know? You know, cause that's, you know, there's this thing in, in this world where we always feel like we've got to say yes to people. It's like, it's, that's, not, that's not okay for you, is it? And it's that self-care and that self-respect and that self-esteem because when you do things that you don't agree with you, they chip, it chips away at your self-esteem. Um, the next thing would be, Understand that emotions such as anger, jealousy, rejection, embarrassment, disappointment are reactions. And what you need to get to the bottom of is ask yourself, why are you feeling this way? What do you need? That question of what do you need? Put your hand here and say, what do I need right now? Do you know what? I found more often than not, it's time to go to bed. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> right there, Johnny. Yeah. And then the, the last one is um, make sure that your environment is set up um, for you to be the person that you want to be, not the person you don't want to be. It's about knowing that if you want to achieve certain things, for example, in an office, if I put you in an office that's the complete tip, 
you're going to be disorganized. You're not going to know where anything is. Everything's going to take a long time. If I put you in an office that's well organized by yourself and you understand where everything is, you're flying. And sometimes I think that that sort of environment that's around you can be a massive indicator and in, uh, of, of whether or not you're going to be successful, I think, uh, whatever it is you want to achieve. And it doesn't have to be big things. I'm not talking about being a movie star or being on X Factor. Uh, it might just be to, you know, get your kids to school on time. <laughs> we all know how hard that is. <laughs> you know? Setting yourself up to be successful to do that, which yeah. what small things, what do I need to put in place to make that yeah. happen? Yeah, because it might, you know, a lot of people get afraid to be too organised. They think it takes the spontaneity out of life. But actually, by being organised, you can put the spontaneity back in life. You know, if the kids get dropped off at the right time, guess what? You can pop for a quick coffee with your mate afterwards. No problem. You've got your day laid out. It's all good. <laughs> you know, but if you're chasing your tail all day, you haven't got time for anything else. And that's when you become that full glass of water that starts to overspill because, uh, you know, your mate asked you if you want to go for a coffee and you, you shout at her. <laughs> She's like, well, okay. <laughs> too many, too many shoulds and not enough wants. That, that's where we can go get the balance wrong as well. And you made a really important point there about boundaries and being able to say no. Yeah. Um, and I think from a, from like, you know, from a female perspective, a lot of the mm. women I know in my life were conditioned to meet the needs of other people, were conditioned to nurture, were conditioned to give we can be really poor at asserting our boundaries and we can very quickly from a very early age become people pleasers. And I, I tend to say to my own clients a lot, asserting your boundaries isn't being rude, it's communicating mm. what you need. It comes back to that whole, like looking at the emotions and understanding that they are a reaction, you know, yeah. they are a reaction, anger, jealousy, rejection, embarrassment, disappointment, they are a reaction. And you shouldn't feel bad for having it. You should just work out that root cause, you know, of, of why, why do I feel that way? To finish, if you could stand on a mountain or, as James likes to say, have a billboard at the side of the M25 and it could say anything at all to everyone below or everyone driving past, what would you, what would you put up there? Well, this is another one that I wrote down. Um, you are in charge of your own life. Decide what you want your life to be like and look like and behave take actions and live your life that way that's that's you know it took me a really long time to realize that you know it's like uh what's the word um manifestations yeah and you know i i don't know whether i'm all in i i watched the secret on netflix and i said my wife said oh i noticed she was the secret i said yeah she went what was it like i said it was like the best worst film i've ever seen <laughs> and she was like i don't understand what it means i said i absolutely loved the message but it was just a little bit full on <laughs> yeah. at times you know um but yeah i mean you, you've really got to if, when you when you feel it in your heart and you know what you want like don't let anyone tell you you can't have that because you can you just got to believe it. You've got to act that way, be that person, you know? Um, and I believe that, right or wrong. <laughs> Absolutely. And um, they're very wise words to end the podcast on. So I just want to say thank you so much for coming in today. It's been a pleasure and a privilege. No, it, I'm really grateful. Thank you. Thanks for asking. Thank you for tuning in and we hope you're able to take something of value away from today's episode. Perhaps one small action you can put into practice today. If you are enjoying Reframe, then please do subscribe and rate the podcast as this helps us reach more lovely listeners. As always, here at Reframe Club, we are rooting for you.